Hey, my name is Crispina French, and promoting creative textile reuse is my jam. I'm an OG textile alchemist, worked my way through art school making ragamuffins from thrift store sweaters way back in the 1980s. That college side hustle grew into a full-fledged business, and here I am today to show you how to do it too. Stick around for all the things helping to navigate both the chaotic and dreamy chapters of building your profitable textile upcycling business. We'll talk material sourcing, business savvy, product development, marketing, and self-care. Gloss over the hard parts? Not here. Experience, lessons, and know-how. Deep dive into the struggles, wins, and rewards of running your sustainable textile upcycling business. Think of this as your favorite craft class mixed with environmental business school. Are you ready to be inspired, energized, and supported? This is the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. This episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast is brought to you by The Unruffled. The Unruffled is a vibrant and feminine collection of slow-made garments and accessories handmade with love by Sandra Primo. Sandra is based in Austin, Texas, and every item she makes is thoughtfully constructed from finely sourced, reused textiles, favoring silks and lace and crochet. Bespoke, one of one, encouraging an infinite circle of recovery. Step into the world of The Unruffled at www.theunruffled.com. And visit the show notes page for this episode at Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com for links and more information. Hi, I'm here with Jane Melbourne, and she has traveled all across the world from Australia. Um, Jane has a tag on Instagram that's called Textile Beat, which is the name of her, um, her path. And textile upcycling and clothing, um, the importance of clothing and how we dress. So I'm just going to let Jane share a bit about how she got to be where she, how she got here in my studio with me live in person and um, share a little bit about her journey. So Jane, tell us um, how you got started. And yeah, there is a start and a middle and an ongoing. The beginning for me was growing up on a sheep farm in New Zealand and I developed a love for natural fibres there. And we came to Australia and I studied agricultural science and I had a career as an agricultural journalist um, for a long time and then doing rural communications. So I, I did that for decades, really. Um, but all the while, I um, was what Sass Brown told me, that I was a slow fashion practitioner. And immediately that resonated with me because I never understood fashion per se, um, but I always liked to be hands-on with my clothes and I learned the skills from my great-grandma who lived with us on the farm and Nana and my mother who was a home economics teacher and she actually wrote a textbook and while she didn't really directly pass on many skills, it's just something when you grow up with it, you uh, you see it and you know it and to me, making is actually play and experimentation and learning through doing. So that's the exciting thing. Anyone can do it. But in, in terms of like I had that career and I, I had what's called a portfolio career with while our three children were growing up, but once the last one left school, I thought, well, 
what do I really want to be doing? And as part of my professional life, I used to run campaigns for farm groups. And so I thought, I'm going to, what is my campaign based around my values, you know, which is really sort of creativity, authenticity, autonomy, and purpose, uh, the key ones that I identified. And around that time too, I'd been noticing clothing excess. I went to a Fashion for Flood fundraiser and at the end of the evening everything was $2 and I bought 30 shirts for $60 and I just thought and I, I used to make because I'm an unusual shape which is why I was always engaged in my wardrobe I used to make my own skirts anyway just elastic waist ones and have buy tops that go down over the top of them so it was such an easy solution I thought but you know there were all the tops there and so that really focused me on what's going on here and because of my background in ag science too I'd also noticed that the fibers were changing and that there was a proliferation of synthetic fibers so um, I know people in industry know the figures but at the time and I'm talking now like I, I noticed this in 2011 and I really got serious about it in 2013 um I, I didn't know the information about the fiber change so I found these annual reports and was able to extract figures from each year and make a graph that showed really that the escalation with fast fashion coincided with the escalation in synthetic fibres. And so in, in 2014, I did a campaign of my own where I was upcycling every day and blogging for a whole year. It was exhausting. <laughs> it's That's called sewitagain.com <laughs> and they're, they're all still there. I mean, they were, they were simple projects and sometimes I did workshops and I would post some of the people who changed things and so it wasn't quite all about me but every day I was at the computer and that then gave me a platform to stand on you know I had some information to talk about and my background in agriculture had been I'd followed you know the food pathway we all knew about the food story but there was kind of nothing on the clothing story except the fashion narrative which was really all about status looks and creating anxiety in people. So I created an, a, a narrative that I called the slow clothing philosophy and it was about dressing for health and well-being rather than this other model and it was really about us being involved. I mean, it, you, you still might buy all your clothes but you're more um, considered about them. You're not following the trends. Often, you know, there's so many, you know, thrifting became more acceptable. I, mean, I can rem still remember going on our national radio and saying, well, you know, because I've been worked as a professional and saying, well, I sew and I shop in the op shop. And <laughs> it, it felt like a declaration then of something that was a bit alternative and, oh, you know, haven't you got enough money or, you know, like just all that, all that negativity that's put on it. Now, I think that shifted. I'm talking 2013 there. And the exciting thing about now, the more we talk about it, and there's actually status now in thrifting, yes. you know, particularly amongst young people, which is exciting yes. to feel that change. And, of course, the, we've seen all the excess of clothing and we know that we're basically dumping on developing nations and, uh, you know, thrift shops are overwhelmed with people's excess. So I think there's a real reckoning within culture and it's kind of exciting to have been part of it. Yeah. I heard a statistic not long ago that 
if we continue to grow the secondhand market, secondhand clothing market at the rate that it's grown since 2020, we will surpass fast fashion with secondhand clothing by 2025. Yes. Part of the problem, though, is that the secondhand clothing market is fed by fast, fast fashion, fashion, if you know what I mean. Oh, so no, they're I know kind it, yeah. of yeah, they kind connected. Of and, yeah. and so I, I, I think we're kind of like seem to be fast-facing a reckoning. Yeah. And my personal interest is in, in helping people understand about being more involved with your clothes because I've always been involved with my clothes. And even when I bought something new, that was flash, you know, and expensive and, you know, supposedly, uh, you know, like quality, I, I still wasn't satisfied till I had my own. Uh, I'm, I think it's about energy, you know, it's something about the energy um, and having some sense of pride or agency or, you know, there's something about when, you, when you've got your own mark on clothes. Yeah. And... Um, I'm I'm not a particularly neat person either, so sometimes the stains are useful because you can stitch over them and make them look more interesting, yeah, or right. chop that bit off, or you know, just I I just love uh, it's a sense of play I I think and ownership in a positive way, yeah. you know, rather than a control thing. But the other thing I realised is as soon as you interfere with your clothes they're not suitable for donating, you know, because they only want labelled things yep. that others can, you know, can see value in, whereas once you've done your own quirky little bit, you own the clothes for life, really. Yep. Yep. Um, but um, in terms of uh, what I'm doing now, I have been advocating in Australia around this um, topic for quite a while, and I am motivated by reducing waste. That's my key motivation. I am concerned about people being exploited, but I can't actually do anything about that, whereas I can do something about trying to, um, you know, inspire people to dress in a more resourceful and individual and creative way where yeah. they're not just following what the fashion gurus, whoever they are, tell us is right. in season and yeah. that still exists. I, I just think, I guess it must be a little bit of a rebellion yeah, in right. me. Yeah, you know, I, I must be a little time. bit rebellious yeah. about I'm not following along just because you tell me to do that. But yeah. I I try and do it in a, in a positive way. Yeah. And um, one of um, somebody I really admire told me recently that I prick consciences in in a in a very gentle way, and I think that was I was really honoured by her saying that because I try and not lecture, yeah. But I'm raising awareness about issues by saying what I see. And you see, I've got no background in fashion at all. Uh, you know, my yeah. background is in resort, you know, agriculture and resources and media. So I'm just using what I have to do what I can to create right. change. Well, it's so interesting too because we all are wrapped in textiles from the day we're born until the day yeah. we die. So we yeah. all have, whether your education background is in textiles, we all have a knowledge that we care with, carry with us through our entire existence that is around textiles. And, you, you know, like you, I, I feel more comfortable in natural fibers and mm -hmm. I think probably we all do. Um, Although I don't think we all are able to identify that change, that difference, right? That's exactly right. I mean, I remember one of the interviews I did, you know, I was saying, talking about natural fibres and, you know, I was asked, oh, by natural fibres you mean 
kind of like they didn't really know, you know, like yeah. it's yeah, it's it's obviously, you know, wool and linen and cotton and silk mainly. Yeah. But the other curious thing, I include the um reconstituted cellulosic fibers. I include them as man-made natural fibers because when I was younger, I inherited some dresses from my great-great-auntie Winnie and I used to love wearing them even though they had rayon on the tag. And at that point, I didn't understand what rayon was, but it is plant-based fibres and I couldn't understand why I had this thing that I thought was synthetic but I liked the feel of it and I liked wearing it but now that I know that you know it so I think those fibres have a valid place because they help with recycling the key problem is when they are either using virgin forests as their their resource and if they're not can do in a controlled environment so the waste is going out so i think there's a lot of future for for recycling our plant-based fibers in this way yeah and we've got to do that because you know really the the two-thirds of clothing that's plastic now that we know it's shedding microplastic particles into the ecosystem and it's not comfortable to wear it smells you know you've got to wash it more often which means it's shedding more yeah you know never decays in landfill and you know just all these negatives so but we can't build our resources around more creating more virgin natural fibres. So, right. you know, we need to be doing more of this reclaiming. And and I think as individuals, we've got great capacity to just reuse what's around us. And yeah. all we need are a few skills. And the exciting thing is, and I'm starting to do it in, in my workshops now, I just say, look, we're just working with needle and thread. You know, forget the sewing machine because it kind of becomes a barrier. It's it really complicated. A lot of people don't know how to manage a sewing machine and you can do so much with a needle and thread in terms of you know changing a hemline or covering over a hole or or um you know putting a patch or um or just stitching over something to make it look groovier or the other thing too is sewing down the interfacing that might be flapping and things like that just stitching just those little actions that are achievable and, and I really believe that once you start, it's kind of like a healthy addiction, you yeah. know, because you go there and then and the stitching just puts such a personal touch on it. And, you know, I know you can buy things from developing nations which lots of beautiful hand stitching on and and I almost want to cry when you look at it and you think, oh, my goodness, someone spent hours doing that when you know what's involved all those hours and it's sitting there for you know cheap price and it's really depressing but there's nothing I can do about that except inspire people to get more involved with their own clothes and that's the basis of my Churchill Fellowship. Yeah yeah I'd like to learn more about the Churchill Fellowship and and also about the um the workshops that you do um and then also i'd love to well let's let's talk about those first so yeah can you tell me more about the churchill fellowship it's so exciting yeah oh thanks well it's a competitive based process that's it's an award that's issued every year they actually give out a hundred of these fellowships in honor of winston churchill every year a hundred year that's every amazing year. yeah cool. yeah and they're in new zealand and the uk as well and you pitch a project and um, you can travel from four to eight weeks to investigate a topic of interest. And your duty is to, it's got to be of use. You have to demonstrate 
why is it useful? Like what's the return on investment of sending you overseas? How will it benefit the Australian community? And so I guess I get a, did a good job in my pitch. And <laughs> my project is um, investigating ways that being more hands-on with our clothes. And by that, I mean, you know, mending, making, upcycling, thrifting, just being engaged, not being a follower of fashion. You know, how being more hands-on can help reduce waste and enhance well-being. And so far I've been to New Zealand and parts of the US and I have to say the strongest message is people who are being involved, you know, the well-being benefits are their key motivation. I mean, they're obviously interested in the waste reduction, but the key thing is that it makes them feel good. Yeah. And, and that's um, hashtag making for well-being is what I decided. Well, that's really what this is about. Yeah. And, and I'm posting on um, my Instagram at Textile Beat and then also videoing people and putting them all on YouTube. And it's great to to have you up there now too, oh, Christina, yeah. too. And, um, and very impressed by your heritage in this area, you know, to have been doing it for so long is really wonderful and to have recognised a problem so early um thank you yeah it's been it's been such a, a you know in the last i don't know i think five years honestly and actually i think the pandemic kind of nudged a lot of people into thinking about what they own right like you're in your we were house at home. it was yeah. all around us and we i guess we started tidying up in a way yeah. and yeah. sorting and thinking we had plenty of thinking time and people were getting into their gardens and so they were getting more into their clothes yeah. and I think um that's a valuable thing because um when we are hands-on with it we appreciate more and we we value more and we we have a sense of pride I think in in having done things for ourselves. And one of the people I have met with is Melanie Fellick, who's written Making a Life. Yeah. And just that whole, the role of making um, in our lives and the importance of it, I think, is emerging as a key um, benefit for mental well-being. And yeah. I think that was also, it came out in the pan pandemic, didn't it? So. Yeah. So hopefully going forward, we'll see some positive changes. But the business drivers, unfortunately, and to see now ultra-fast fashion coming along, it's I, I just don't quite understand who the people are that are supporting that, you know, and how they don't have a sense of conscience about yeah. what they're doing. Um, maybe they're just too busy in their lives, they lack agency or, or I what. I think that's it. Mm. It's interesting. I was um, actually at the hairdresser with my daughter not that long ago, and she was um, going to this homecoming dance that was, um, we were talking about that earlier, and the woman who was cutting her hair, they were talking about buying online clothing, and the woman who was cutting her hair was talking about buying from Shein, and about how it doesn't matter if it fits, because it's so cheap. If it doesn't fit, you just throw it away. And I was, you know, I could see that my daughter was sitting there getting her hair cut and I could see that she wanted to address the subject. And I could also see that she just decided, like, it's too big for me to convince this person who's an adult. My daughter's a teenager. Like, it was just a very interesting exchange to witness. And I feel like there's a level of 
our populace who is still um, untouched by our compassionate education. And it's an opportunity for us to just make those ripples in that direction, I feel. Mm. you know and i guess that's why I, I wear a lot of upcycle clothing one of the ones um gets a lot of comments is my denim penny and it's it's kind of a conversation starter in i often say i'm wearing my project you yeah. know so you know it enables you to talk about the why yeah why you do it um it's a bit quirky and and i think you need a certain amount of courage to step out in something that is not fitting the mould, but that whole idea of buying online without being able to touch the materials, it, it just surprises me. And sometimes people say, oh, it's okay because they've got a return policy, you can send it back. But then we find that all of that is basically just junked anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I'm just doing a little bit to try yeah. and uh, create change. And yeah. I find at my workshops, you know, I've done quite a few with university students and, you know, in, in schools sometimes, but I particularly remember this young man who brought along his a couple of, you know, really nice T-shirts that he had and he valued them. But they were getting little holes in them and he he wanted to know what to do. And we said, oh, well, you just get your needle and thread here and just go like that across and back and and, you know, he was kind of, he said, this is changing my life. And I just thought, you know, one at a time, it's mm -hmm. just, you know, people, young people who somehow haven't been exposed to the background that we had because, you know, computers, everything's changed a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of introducing that younger generation to it. And even if you don't have time or an interest in getting hands-on, the other way, like my slow clothing manifesto, which is really around actions and choices, it's thinking, um, buying natural quality, local fibres if you can, just having a few. They're the actions of a busy person who just wants to buy well. Yep. And then, you know, when you want to get more involved, you can care for them more, you know, that you know, involves some hand washing, which, you know, I think it extends the life of clothes and mending them and um, all of that. So there's, there's care, make, revive, adapt and salvage. So they're the hands-on actions. So there's kind of two pathways, one yeah. for the busy person that might not want to get around in upcycled denim and yeah. and then there's, there's also um, ones for us, people like us who... Yeah. To, it's kind of second nature to to be involved with your clothes. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting to see the growth too. And I think, you know, we've both been in our fields for quite a while and we both kind of watched this kind of exponential. It's almost like that hundredth monkey, you know? It's like suddenly there's this uptick in interest and suddenly there's this awareness of there being a real issue. And when we started, there was like, it almost felt like, um, although we were compassionate in our communication, it was almost a battle, right? Like a battle to like get past that initial resistance to such a far uh, flung idea from the status quo, right? And now it's, you know, ideas are welcome far flung from the status quo, flow, <laughs> the status quo in so many different ways, right? Like garment and and fashion being one of them and i feel like there's um you know there's just this opportunity and i feel like you know 
when I, I was speaking to um, Maxine Bedeau, who wrote the book called Unraveled, which I recommend if you, if anybody listening hasn't read that, it's a really helpful, it just puts, it's a very educational book about the life cycle of a garment. Um, and I said to her when I was chatting with her about how sometimes I feel like I'm just like this one little person in my studio, my little rural off the beaten track studio doing my little work. And like, and she said, no, she said, you're not like, it doesn't matter if you're making for yourself or you're selling your product. If you're doing this work, you're changing the way people perceive what's possible. And I just, it just, I feel like that's something that is like a really good reminder for all of us because our ripples far, they travel far and we don't know where they go. And it does seem lonely at times. Right? And, and like maybe sometimes it even feels fruitless, but I think um, that that's not what's really going on. I feel like we're having an impact and, you know, if you're like me and I'm all about like instant gratification, I just want it to be better now. I don't want to wait. It's, it's a little challenging, but then just to regroup and kind of, you know, breathe through that and, and realize that, you know, changes, the changes are happening and we are um, leaders. Yeah. And I think um, we've also, the imperative has ramped up with, lived experience of climate change now yeah. you know in australia we've had terrible fires we've had you know terrible floods and that's they're extreme events um created by anthropogenic climate change which is man accelerated climate change and my brother is professor of planetary health um in melbourne at um, the monash sustainable development institute and you know he he says to me that, you know, he's an academic in the field, obviously, whereas he says, I'm a practitioner, you know, I'm about uh, what I'm doing is about everyday practice. Yeah. And we all do that. We all eat and we dress yeah. and we make decisions about how we move around in the world. And and all of those add up to something. So, yeah. and I do feel that awareness since we've experienced climate change, it's it's not such a foreign concept and we all need to take action to reduce our carbon or our environmental impact really yeah. which is you know partly tied up in our use of carbon but there's other things too like water and how we can can conserve that so yeah small steps you yeah. know that's what life's about isn't yeah. it it's yeah. a journey yeah. <laughs> small steps yeah <laughs> yeah it's true and I think also you know when you look back sometimes you know I'm very forward focused like what can I do next that's going to you know that's going to have a positive impact and help people live a good a comfortable life while having you know a, a smaller footprint and I forget to look back you know and I forget to say oh wow you know 10 how years ago yeah, yeah and and how far humans have have come and and the the um, willingness to participate in something that was really a foreign concept to most people not that long ago. So um, thank you so much for the work that you do. It's such a pleasure to have this opportunity to chat with you and to share your voice and to just um, connect in a way that um, you know it's just so special to find the people that are just walking the path that that seems like you know the way to go for um those of us who are in the textile consciousness right like it's not you know necessarily upcycling or reuse it's just the awareness of the choices that we can all make to 
make ourselves feel well mm-hmm. and in turn of course nurture the planet that gives us life so oh thanks yeah. and i'd just like to also mention that i see this as part of permaculture during lockdown because i was supposed to be going on my churchill fellowship in 2020 and i did a permaculture design course and then a permaculture teaching course at home and um, I see this what is permaculture in the wardrobe, you know. Yeah. You know, permaculture is not just about growing food. It's about the way that we live and just the whole regenerative nature of things that we can do. When we have natural fibres, they can become part of the compost eventually. Right. You know, so this, and then yeah. they become carbon and nitrogen and hydrogen and oxygen and the cycle goes on. So, so can you... Um- can you explain to the listeners who might not be familiar with permaculture, like just um, a quick kind of, well, I don't know if that's possible, but, you know, a, an overview of like permaculture and how that plays a role in growing food and then how it kind of expands beyond that? Yeah, well, it, it, um, it, it's a concept that was developed 50 years ago now, actually, in response to industrial agriculture and around that whole silent spring, you know, the lot of toxic chemicals in the environment. I mean, farming is not as bad now, like we've got a lot more control over that. But at the time, it was seen as an alternative, like other ways of living. So there are 12 design principles that were developed by Bill Mollison and David Holmgren. And that it's really just about living lightly, living sensibly, um, and based in um, valuing people, valuing earth and fair share. You know, they're the, the three ethics that it's based on. And then there are 12 design principles all of which I can't remember, but one of them is kind of like creating no waste and um, and living creatively yeah. and, you know, like you'd have to Google to do them all. But I've done a, um, a, res- a textile response in each of those 12 design principles and it's exciting to think it's, it's kind of earth-based living mm-hmm. um, and living in harmony and um, using what you have around you. So um, I definitely feel it's a way forward and it's a, it's a different framework but a framework that is common sense. Yeah, and is that something that you see developing for you in the future as you go forward? Is that something that you're... Yeah, I you're, do feel so. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because my book is Slow Clothing and I've got the Slow Clothing Manifesto and I'm just trying to work out where the permaculture how how it fits in with that like it's definitely I mean when I did the permaculture course I thought oh this is what I've been doing all this time you know yeah. I called it slow clothing but yeah maybe it's permaculture clothing and maybe yeah. I evolve uh, uh, along to be doing that yeah um, but it's it's quite exciting and there are other terms for permaculture now like regenerate regenerative agriculture is a big term now um and they kind of mean the same thing they're just just a different terminology yeah Um, yeah so yes i do feel broadening out from the wardrobe i guess because my background in agriculture you know i'm really interested in food as well i yeah i feel they're all linked together and they're all the actions of self-sufficiency and self-reliance i really love that and and i think it's important for helps people feel strong if they're kind of self-reliant and they they're not doing all this crazy following and you know being feeling insecure because they don't own this or that yeah 
you yeah. know, whereas when you just relax into your authenticity and use what you've got around you, um, you know, life is kind of enjoyable. But sadly, I feel it took me a lot of decades to arrive at this comfortable place yeah. and I have to remember back to my insecure self but if I'd probably known what I know now back then like I would have had much more fun you know yeah. you strive you sort of strive up the greasy pole and then you realize oh it's greasy there's nothing up the top there <laughs> that I want to have <laughs> yeah it's funny though I think that what we're doing and and same you know we this long history of kind of like pushing that that boulder up a hill right to now be in a place where the 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 terrain is a little flatter I feel like what we are offering people is our experience so they don't have to do that too mm. so we have this um you know to, to to talk about permaculture in the wardrobe like that's a concept that's new to me and i feel like it's a very fruitful and it's like the next place right like we can upcycle and we can reuse but then then what right mm. like you know there's there's still a business model like that that you know where where i find myself a little struggly is around continuing to sell right mm. I, I don't like how much do you need mm. how much do you really need and that question resonates with me often like what what are we creating and then what do what are we um encouraging people to need yes. um and then to think about that as a permaculture model where um it's it's kind of completes the circle yeah and it, there's the circular economy is, yeah. is another thing that's yeah. catchy at the yeah. moment yeah but yeah so permaculture is really just living simply which um is the title of a book that I have in gestation. I don't know when it's going to be born, but mm -hmm. I just think living simply through mm -hmm. your everyday choices is the way to go mm -hmm. um, because then, you know, you you are not feeling all this need all the time to have and and be greedy and take more than you share. Mm -hmm. But it's it's it doesn't, you know, we've got this whole other, you know, television, commerce-driven yeah, you know all that stuff over there mm -hmm. about greed and so-called need and keeping mm -hmm. up with the Joneses and stuff, which you know is completely contrary to the way that we should be living. Right, right, and you know the whole terminology. I, you know, you hear the term consumers, like yeah. you know, in this in the US, I am imagining, and maybe in Australia as well, where you know we're consumers. That's what mm. we're called, right? And if you think of that, that's a new term. That's like that's you know we used to be citizens, mm -hmm. and I think that being a citizen is just much healthier thing to be mm. i think when you're told that you are a consumer then then yeah that's what you do right you consume and when you're a citizen you're part of a of a community you're a member of something greater than yourself and i feel like that all plays a role into your work and what i see of your work and i i love the idea of the simple living book i think um a term i i use a lot is like gentle living like just thinking about you know what 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 are the ripples that you're putting out with you know what you buy at the grocery store or whatever anything that you're consuming what how can you choose to have that just have small ripples you know or or ripples that are going to actually nurture others um and i feel like there's this place that we are right now you know 2022 where there's there's an audience 
And I feel like for a long time, there really wasn't, you know, that people were like blinders on, head down. They didn't really want to be a part of it. And now it's like, there's this opportunity for us to share our knowledge that we gained through that hard work with people to save them those decades, right? So like these younger people coming up have the ability to take what we've learned and then learn more on their path. Yeah, and it is really exciting to come across young people who are very motivated because they can influence their generation. Like we tend to be a little bit seen as perhaps a little preachy. Yeah, um, yeah. And a little, they can't necessarily relate in the same way, but when young people are on the pathway, that's really exciting. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. I'm excited to see, you know, the next 30 years, like where I feel like there's this, um, this, surprise that is going to open for all of us that will you know the humans will um recognize our ability to live in harmony in simple ways where we can connect and be supportive of each other and and put the um the model that we are um kind of walking away from and yeah and it's yeah. kind of tapping into indigenous wisdom as well yeah. because you know, in in Australia for millennia, you know, we, we had the Aboriginal people, Indigenous people walking the land and managing the land and, you know, there were changes, no doubt, but, you know, they didn't take more than they needed and it, it's about being respectful and uh, we, we need to incorporate that into the way we live. Yeah, I totally agree. It's the same in this country, you know, we just... Um yeah, there's a lot of uh, wisdom that needs celebration and um, honoring, 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 mm. and 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 incorporating. And um, yeah, they got they know they know how, right? Like there's there's knowledge there. So um, thank you so much. You're it's welcome. been lovely, and I'm looking forward to staying in touch. So good, thanks, Crispin. Hey, so I'm over here and I'm serving you a giant air hug because you just finished another episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Thank you for being with me. Our music is provided by The Lucky Five. Learn more about them at theluckyfive.com. Our show is produced and edited by Van Hyacin. If you want to dive in deep, head over to Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com. Today's episode of Rags to Riches podcast is brought to you by the Stitcherhood Recycling Society, my online membership community for creative textile upcycling, recycling, and reuse entrepreneurs. Inspiration, shared experience, tutorials, business savvy, and connection to a whole posse of people who understand the passion and intricacies of running an environmentally kind creative textile upcycling biz. Daily posts, Weekly stitch hours, book recommendations, group chats, member profiles, and strong connections is what you can expect when you join Stitcherhood. Head on over to stitcherhood.crispina.eco and sign up for a free seven-day trial to see if my Stitcherhood Recycling Society is a good fit for you and your textile upcycling business.